KYW Original Podcasts. Our guest this week, Union midfielder Harris McGinney. We talk about his season so far with the team. Probably not the result you guys wanted against Seattle at home, but you know it was a tough, kind of a tough fought game. You guys generated a lot of chances. Uh, still got, still got the point out of the game. Uh, coming off a game like that, how's the team feel right now? Guys, uh, especially like after the game, everybody felt a little bit disappointed because you know we felt that we could win this game, but uh, it's not always going. Uh, how we wanted, you know. Sometimes the other teams is, uh, are defending very well, like Seattle did. You know, they put a lot of bodies behind. But uh, I think, like you said, you know, we create a lot of chances, and uh, that's why I'm not uh, worried about, you know, because I would be worried if we didn't create nothing, you know. But uh, I think overall we press them good uh, on the P guys, especially, and uh, and we create a lot of opportunities, and hopefully. Uh, now we can learn from that. If other teams are going to come and sit back like that, that we can uh, do something differently and not always the same, you know. And that's what we are working on now this week uh, to see how we're going to do it against Portland. And uh, before we get into the Portland game, let's talk about the season so far. I mean, this is so far you know the best start the Philadelphia Union's ever had and uh, certainly kind of the best run that the team since you've been here. Uh, there's a lot of factors going on. Kind of, what, what do you see from your perspective is going on with this team that is really propelling him to this start? I think uh, everybody's playing for each other. You know, everybody's uh, want to do the dirty work. Everybody's closing the space. Everybody wants to press. And I mean, like uh, we had also like the first first game against Toronto. It was like. Uh, you know, we was attacking, but uh, in transition uh, of them, you know, we was uh, we was very bad. And now, when you see uh, when we lose the ball, everybody like focused to get the ball back again. And uh, you see that uh, growing every every game. And uh, it's important for us to keep continuing that because uh, we can take uh, you know easy games because we can do that. You know, we uh, we need to play every game 100, 150 percent and. Uh, to get the result, and uh, that's what we're doing right now, and hopefully uh, we can keep that uh, going like this. Um, and the new system that that came in when uh, Ernst, Ernst Tanner came in, that this more flexible four four two diamond, uh, or however you want to kind of draw it up, but it's definitely a lot more a lot more flexible than uh, than the system you guys were running in the last couple of years. Uh, how, how do you feel like you fit into that right now, into that that this flexibility that's going on with the, with the team? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you know, uh, you as a, as a soccer player, you need to play in a lot of systems. You know, a lot of coaches changing system during the games. Sometimes the coaches do three in the back, uh, five in the back. You always need to know what's happening. You know, uh, because other teams uh, adjusting as well and. Uh, but I mean, with this system, you are closing the middle, and it's uh, very difficult for the for the opponent to to get us through the middle. You know, they always need to go on the side, so we always have time to shift. And uh, if one guy shifts, the other guy follows, and everybody follows. And, and uh, I think sometimes when we play the the four two three one, if sometimes you don't follow your man, uh, then you know a lot of a lot of holes are opening in the in the. In the 
middle and in on the side and uh, we were not uh, compact enough but I think uh, it's always important to play compact it doesn't matter what kind of system and uh, we are doing it with this now with the diamond and uh, it's, it's going pretty well for us you know everybody's fighting for each other everybody's standing close to their opponent we're pressing the key guys and uh, if we can continue to do that you know it's going to be it's going to be hopefully a good season for us, you know. But uh, you know, you need to be focused every game. You need to be disciplined every game. You know, you can take a break because you know uh, a lot of things can punish us because uh, we don't have uh, what other teams have, like like big stars players. You know, we don't have that, so we can do. We need to do it uh, together. And if we do it together, we as a good, we are good as a team. And you know, I want to talk about one of your. Uh... Midfield partners now, the new addition, newer addition, I guess you could say, of uh, uh, Guillermo Montero. Uh, what's what's he been bringing to the table? We see his ability to kind of pursue the ball and and kind of create turnovers and just kind of always be around the ball carrier and, and stuff like that. But from your again, from your perspective, uh, kind of working with a guy like that, how's how's that affected your game? Yeah, of course, it's much easier, you know, when you when you bring a player who has uh, European experience, uh, who knows to slow down the game. He knows uh, to slow the, slow down the game very well. Uh, sometimes when we are under pressure, he can pass a guy out and he creates space for us. And uh, and uh, like you said, you know, he can close the ball very fast. You know, he's a he's a very fast guy. You know, he can press immediately and uh, like his shooting abilities. You know. Uh, of course, you know everybody's talking like uh, this last game that he didn't score. But uh, I'm happy that he's trying to do that. You know, it's very important to shoot. You know, sometimes we are just playing to playing. We don't finish the attack. But uh, you know, the goal will come. You know, and I'm, I'm like happy with that that he's trying to do something. You know, and uh, it's very important for us. You know, to create space for the other players and uh, to give the to give the assist to our strikers. And uh, and he's always. Uh, He's always available in the midfield, you know. That's very important for me as a as a six who's playing always to try to find him, Bedoya or Aronson, and even the striker. So uh, even for our centre backs, you know, okay, when they dribble in, that they the first pass need to be to the midfielders, and uh, and he's always available. So that's a, that's a plus point for us. And another player that's been added into the team, uh, kind of bringing some youthful exuberance, uh, Brendan Aronson. Uh, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of ability to get forward and carry the ball. So, for a guy like you that wants to get also move the ball forward and kind of pick guys out, that must having a target like him in front of you must be really good too. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I talk a lot of about him. You know, he's a very mature guy for his age. You know, he he knows the space. You know, he knows how to move. And uh, you know, for the for 18 years old, you know, it's pretty far. You know, and uh, I think that's a plus point for us, for the team, for the club. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big player. I hope he's going to be. You know, and, uh, I hope uh, we can see him later on playing uh, in the best leagues in Europe. And uh, for me, it's important. You know, as a as a veteran, experienced player, to teach him a couple of things. You know, to not get carried away. You know, that he wants to play always the last pass. You know, that he sometimes needs to slow down the game and uh, to improve his shooting as well. You know, because. Uh, I think as a number ten, when you play, you always need to be critical on yourself that you need to give assist and you need to score goals. And that's what the people are looking and uh, for number ten. And uh, I think you know, you know, I always speak uh, with him about that. And I know he's 18 years old. We always we, we need to give him his time. This is his first year in MLS. 
playing on the high level, you know, so he, he needs time. But uh, what he's shown us right now, it's uh, like he's already playing like five five years in MLS. So I'm very proud uh, to play with him. And uh, and the thing is, what I'm most happy about him that he even if we lose the ball, he's always wants the ball back. You know, he's mm-hmm. not hiding, and that's like a big uh, big quality to have as a player. So you talked about you know different coaches, different technical directors, they they bring different sporting directors, they bring different ideas for formations and things like that, but um, th- this kind of role you're playing right now, it, it, where you're, you're kind of the guy that sits deep, has the field in front of you, and you're able to pick out kind of medium and long range passes, does that feel like this is the most comfortable role for you? Is this like the best role to get the most out of your skill you feel right right now? Yeah, for example, what we have right now, you know, because uh, we have uh, good midfielders uh, like uh, Montero and Bodoya. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think, you know, uh, I could still play on the on the on this kind of position, you know. But I'm happy uh, where I'm right now, you know, and uh, you know because uh, they are doing a very good job, you know. They know how to play, you know. So for me, it's much easier, you know, when you give them the ball and they can give the assist, you know, and. Uh, I think uh, we are doing very well uh, in the midfield. You know, we uh, we have a, like a good connection, uh, and uh, I think uh, with all the team, you know, like I said before, you know, like it's uh, it's important to have this connection together to know when to press, and it's just going to be much easier for everyone, you know, to play. You know, it doesn't matter which kind of position you you already did uh, half of your job, you know, so it's much easier, and that's why we can create so many chances and. Uh, Pick uh, pick other teams apart in the in the transition when we when we press them and then it's much open for our strikers to score goals and uh, more opportunities for them. So you've been in MLS and with the union now for about three years. How how much in just in this this span this time span have you seen kind of things evolve in the league and the team uh, from when you got here and how much has it kind of changed what you thought MLS was before you got here? You know. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's it's getting faster and faster. You know, it's uh, it's getting also better technically uh, because when I came here, I don't think I, I I didn't think was that much technically. It was more like up and down, and who scores most goals? That was it, you know. And uh, I think like right now, you see, for example, this game, my last game, you see a team who is sitting very deep. You know, in my in my first year here. Uh, I didn't even had a team that we played that he was sitting so deep, you know. So it was also first for me uh, to see this here, you know, in MLS because normally in Europe a lot of teams do that when they play against a better team. Mm-hmm. They always uh, they always uh, drop, and that's why I mean, like uh, that's why we need to learn now. That's why we didn't know what to do with this kind of uh, situations uh, because sometimes in this kind of situation the, the fullbacks need to go, you know. Uh, uh, into the box, you know, to create more uh, possibilities to mm-hmm. to attack them. Because now we had a little bit problem because the fullback was sitting really deep back. You know, they was trying to have the ball in their feet. But normally in this kind of situation, the fullback need to go into the box and they create a little bit uh, damage for them. You know, so then they need to pick uh, players. You know, who they're gonna take? That they're gonna take the strikers? Are they gonna take the fullbacks? Everybody's there, so it's gonna be more difficult. So. We need to learn from this, and uh, for the next game, if it happens again, then we need to know what we need to do in this kind of situation. Because in this kind of situation, you need to move the ball very fast. You know, you cannot do it slowly because then make for the point very easy. You know, to 
to cover space and cover players, you know. So uh, hopefully we can improve this and hopefully in the future we can break this team down. So you, you talked about what, you know, what Seattle did. You have another West Coast team uh, in Portland, you know, coming in this weekend, making that long trip. And do you, do you feel like Portland might do the same, might come out there and, you know, kind of read the situation and say, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to go for the draw too. We're going to, you know, they might have a little too much for us. We're going to drop back. We're going to line up kind of deep and, you know, make them break us down. Do you, do you see do you see Portland kind of falling into that as well? Uh, I, I, I don't think so because I think uh, Seattle did that because they had, like, uh, a lot of games in one week. You know, that's why they did that. Uh, I think Portland, they had, like, more than 10 days off. They didn't play this this weekend, so mm-hmm. I think they are fresh and uh, and they are they want to win this game because you know I think they all this year they played away, so they're already used to playing away. So uh, for them, you know, to come here and they want to take the points, you know. And I respect the Portland uh, Timbers because uh, almost every year they are in the final, so uh, you know it's a big team with a lot of experienced players, you know, and uh, tactically they're always good, you know. So uh, for us. It's going to be a big test again on uh, on Saturday, and uh, we just need to be like uh, ready for that and uh, playing like 150 percent, you know, to give 150 percent to play very fast to let them know that uh, they can take points here, you know, because to let them know that we are here, uh, we are ready for them and uh, ready for the for the fans and to show everybody that uh, it's not only. Uh, that it's only luck that we are uh, top of the table, you know. So uh, we need to show, we need to play with a lot of uh, confidence. And uh, so I hope uh, we can show that on Saturday. Well, Harris, I want to thank you very much for coming on. Uh, good luck against Portland. Good luck the rest of the season. Uh, hope to have you on again. Always, always enjoy talking to you. Okay, thank you very much. No problem at all. I want to thank uh, Harris Madunian for joining me. Uh, always great to hear from Harris. And now sitting in the co-host seat, a rare treat, Mr. Matt DeGeorge from the Delco Times. You know him well, everyone. If you follow the union, you know Matt very well. It's so much more plush than the usual guest seat. They make me sit in. It's, yeah, no, it's this, wonderful. Th- this one actually has cushions. and it's kinda... Oh, it's, it's Mike's seat. It's, it's thrown like. <laughs> it's very opulent. We, we, nothing but the best here at KWW News Radio. Um. So a lot to talk about, I think. A lot on the agenda. Um, let's start with Seattle and kind of work from there. Uh, uh, scoreless draw against the Seattle after that. After about thirty minutes, said, "All right, we're going to bunker up." Is retired, mm-hmm. and we don't, you know, we we don't have any players right now. So they went in there, executed game plan, wanted a draw, got a draw. Union didn't have their shooting boots on. That was kind of kind of it, really. If you want yeah, to talk I about, I mean, it. if you had said preseason, hey, you're gonna. You're going to uh, have the better of play against Seattle, but probably only end up with a draw. Mm-hmm. I think most people would have taken that. Yeah. So all yeah. all in perspective, I mean, it's a point that you get at home, which is good against uh, one of the top teams in the West. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad result. If you draw at home against Colorado, that's a bad result. Right. Uh, if you draw at home against Seattle at the end of the wins that you've had, that's really not a bad result. Yeah, and and they did everything they've been doing just in score. I mean, they generated. A lot of chances. All uh, you know, still didn't have Fabian back. Uh, th- thought Santos wasn't as sharp, I think, as people as you wanted him to be. I mean, it's first starting on. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's had such a 
herky jerky season that maybe you shouldn't be surprised he wasn't that sharp. Yeah, I think the rhythm with him and and Shibilko is not quite there. I mm-hmm. think I, I was actually a little surprised to be honest that Santos was starting right. instead of Pico because I think Fafa's been good the last couple weeks. Sort of has the goal in Toronto, the opener certainly mm-hmm. creates that one, doesn't get credit for it. Absolutely. Um and I guess didn't get a touch on it. Um but I thought he's had a pretty good understanding with Casper uh the last few weeks and I thought that would have given him the advantage. I I see the logic in wanting to get uh, Sergio Santos the chance there mm-hmm. and I think you do want to get him some minutes and, and all that kind of stuff because I mm-hmm. think it's pretty difficult to see who's one who's two who's three in that group right now um, without Burke and without and with a calm gone and all that kind of stuff um, but yeah I've, you know Seattle's a really good team and I, I think the one thing that Jim Curtin has harped on after the game Saturday and in today in Wednesday's press conference is that they thought they played well, and I think they did play well. And yeah. the process side of it was um, was pretty was pretty good. The, the issue with them is that when they face bunkered in teams, and this is an issue for a lot of teams across MLS, is they have trouble breaking down a really structured good team. Yeah, and, and that's not that's not necessarily a problem. I think it's something to be to get better at. But there's a lot of teams that struggle like that. Uh, and it's interesting to see how that progresses through the season. The whole thing with Ernst Tanner's system is that it was designed to uh, kind of bring them closer to the teams that are really good in MLS. And by being able to press and being able to play it on your terms, yeah. that's that's going to even out the talent differences and stuff like this. This is now a situation where you're playing it not necessarily on those terms, but on the terms that... Seattle's dictating and Seattle's yeah. saying, you know, sometimes dictating terms means they're going to have all the ball and they're going to press, they're going to try and attack you and that kind of stuff. Well, Seattle dictated terms in a different way by saying we're not going to have the ball. We're going to sit back. There's going to be constantly nine, at least nine men behind the ball. We're going to attack basically two on two and try and take our chances. And then the rest is come on and break us down. Uh, we'll take, we'll put the point in our pocket and you take it away from us. Yeah. And that's that's a different kind of dictating terms, and there's a lot of teams that would struggle in that situation. Yeah, and and it's it's not a sin to have a draw against a team, a good, a very good Seattle team that came in with a game plan and executed it. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know not the worst thing in the world. If they came in with that game plan, executed it, and got all three points, then yeah, you'd, then you'd, that would be a little bit of an yeah, issue. Then yeah. it's an issue. Then you're worried because then you, you start to question your earlier results. Like, okay, this is a really good team. We didn't step up to it, but you you get the point. You know, Shabilko had a bunch of ch- chances. I think you know. I think the uh, the report now on Aronson is the next part of his game that needs work is his shooting and his ability to get a quick shot off. Because if he gets the ball out of his feet a little quicker in those couple sp- chances at the top of the box, mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't go in, but you know, forces a save, creates a creates a scoring chance for somebody else. But you know, you know. If, but that's if that's like the worst thing that comes out of that game, it's not that bad. Yeah, all that's understandable, and yeah. especially from the Aronson side. I mean, he's a midfielder yeah. by and by. He's not a you know Fabian's a little bit more of a hybrid forward type. Yeah, uh, he's you know Aronson is not only young, but he is a midfielder, mm-hmm. and he's not necessarily the biggest shooter in the world. So I think that is a perfectly natural thing to be the next part of the progression. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you have a game where you're not finishing all that crisply. That happens, mm-hmm. and I think that um, there's some mentality tweaks that they can add. Um, 
a lot of times, you know, Jamiro Montero's got a great shot, and he's mm. a, a guy that is going to score a goal this year that is going to be just a highlight reel, just thunderous. Yeah. Um, but he also has a reticence in in that game at least. And maybe this is a character trait of him, of his. Maybe it's just a one-game mm-hmm. thing where he can make adjustments on it. But when he gets to about 20 yards and he has a little bit of space, he's not going to take a guy on. And the way that you bunker in, the, the way that you uh, beat a bunkered-in team is that you have to make them move. It's almost like attacking a zone defense in basketball. You have to make them move. You have to create those openings. You have to um, pry the lines apart yeah. by... Drawing in a center, drawing a center back up the field, or taking a, a left back or an outside back out wide. They didn't do that because yeah. they didn't have a lot of guys with the confidence to, to other than Elsino to take a guy on one v one. It's something that Bork Dochka was really great at last mm-hmm. year. Is that he would have no problem playing those one twos. He was good in tight space. That was his and strength. playing those yeah. one twos at the not yeah. only at the edge of the box but the edge of the box centrally in mm-hmm. what Jim Curtin would call the red zone. You see Elsino doing it on the outside. You see Kai Wagner doing it on the other side. But to do more of that, and that yeah. just comes with more variability and and how you want to do that. I think it also comes with Marco Fabian and yeah. whether where he is in terms of his return. Um, and I think he adds a different element to all this. So it is interesting that uh, Fafa didn't play or didn't start because that is kind of his game, that ability to go kind of inside out and pull mm-hmm. center backs around, especially if he's playing in that forward position. He ha- he's being marked by by one of the center backs. His ability to kind of get them out of their zone. So. And I think you saw yeah. when he came in, Kai Wagner became more active. Yeah. Because you were able to engage him on the overlap more. Um, you know, part of the issue, I think, also is that you're in a little bit of an unbalanced formation where it's almost a de facto, uh, it's almost the way the national team plays, but not intentionally, where you have Ray Gaddis as the right back kind of tucking in, mm-hmm. but only because he's sort of half back, half forward, and you've got Kai Wagner all the way up. So it's this odd kind of it's unbalanced. Yeah, yeah it's and, almost and, like you've got Harris back, uh, kind of level with with uh, with Ray, mm-hmm. in this kind of weird thing, and you've got him that far pushed up. I, I actually thought it would have been interesting if Olivier Mbezo had been on the bench that he could have been a sub on Sunday, yeah, on Saturday. That that would have been interesting. And again, you know, it seems to be a little more of a process with him getting him on the field than I think some people anticipated. Yeah, so. I think that mostly owes to the international spot situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that he would have been like the 10th guy. Right, and they have so, to juggle um, that. Yeah, until they bit. get some more clearance, and it's obviously going to be a problem as long as Casper uh, and, and Sergio Santos are in form. Right. But again, good problem to have. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about, you, you mentioned him, uh, Marco Fabian. Uh, sounds like uh, Curtin said he'll be uh, back in full training. It was a um, and that second injury was in training initially, right? Yeah, so it was more of an aggravation. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think with Marco Fabian, what it is is it's mainly discomfort in his ankle. Yeah, it's that he's limited, and I can imagine for a guy that's you know Marco Fabian is an extremely skilled player. When you have swelling in your ankle, or you have um, if it's just not feeling right, I can imagine being very off in, in how precise your touch is and being yeah. able to to do all those kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, he, he, he does kind of cutting runs and stuff, so you, you want to cut off your, you know, yeah. like push off and a lot like of, that. Yeah. And he needs a lot of mobility and stuff like that. So, And I can understand him maybe being reticent to, mm-hmm. to give it a go at, at less than whatever percentage he's at, and I don't think he's close to 100%. It's probably less than 80 or yeah. 70 if we're going to put numbers on it. Um, but he certainly missed against a team that you're trying to break down, a bunkered in team that you're trying to break down. You're you're missing 
the guy who is probably your best shooter mm-hmm. on the team, forward or not. Certainly your best shooter from midfield. Uh, probably one of your best connectors in terms of uh, fitting together passes. And probably this side of Ilsenio, one of your most uh, adept at taking guys on and forcing defenders into some kind of a decision. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's not a coincidence that being unable to break down a bunkered-in team and not having Marco Fabiano are two things that coincided. The one aspect of Marco Fabiano, and I'd want to get your thoughts on this, is the the Twitter mentions are not always the greatest gauge of, <laughs> of uh, well, of anything, really. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems as though Marco Fabian has not exactly endeared himself fully to the, to the fan base uh, with this kind of stop-start. I wonder if... Uh, what you've seen on that front, and if that's kind of surprising to you at all. It's a little bit. Oh, it's Philly, though. <laughs> um, but he's he's had a stop start. I mean, the suspension didn't help. Now, these these couple injuries or re-aggravations, whatever you want to call it. And we, you, know, you just haven't seen what he can do fully for this team yet. And, and you've seen flashes. And I, I think, you know, the Atlanta game, he, he was very good in. Mm-hmm. Um Couple of games, you know, but you, you also seen you also seen the, the Toronto game at Toronto where he was kind of giving up cheap fouls, and, and that could be part of the injury where he's he's a little slower, he's off a step, and he's getting beat, and he's just packing, and you, you've seen players do that. So you know, if his fitness is better, he probably doesn't do that as much. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's a very good player, and he's proved that he's a very good player over over a pretty. Over a very good career, and for national team for and and for club, you know, the guys, there are guys that come to MLS that struggle initially. He's not unique. I mean, Terry Henry took a little while. Mm-hmm. Tim Cahill took a little while. I mean, the Bradley uh, Wright Phillips took a while. Yeah, Bradley Wright Phillips took a while, and he he's you know one of the best scorers in history in the history of this league. Um, it, it, it takes time. I mean, you know, the Robbie Keen, Keens are the exception where he hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. That's the exception to the rule for MLS. It's it's a different league than a lot of these guys are used to. I mean, he you know he probably has some knowledge of it just playing against U.S. players. You know, playing in Mexico and playing against uh, that you know playing against the U.S. national team. So he has some concept of what the league is and what American soccer is. So, but that doesn't replace doing it. That doesn't replace kind of being out there on the field. Yeah, you know, last year Borik Dochkel took. Two whole, two almost two whole months. Then he led the league in assists. I believe some guest came on this podcast at one point in in March and was very openly skeptical uh, about that. Um, and somehow that man has been invited back. Yeah, I it's have so no strange. idea how. So strange. Um, <laughs> but uh, you also have to look at how small. I, so two things with with uh, Fabian. I'm a little concerned that I'm seeing a repeat of the kind of dynamic in the fan base of. Uh, how Elsinio and Alberg were regarded yeah. with Jamiro Montero playing the Elsinio role mm-hmm. and Marco Fabian playing the Alberg <laughs> role. Um, I don't know. I think that's just a little, it's obviously premature, but it's a little, eh, you can, you can kind of see that. But at the same time, I, and, and, and the other thing with that is that you'd be a little concerned about, you know, Jim Curtin always talks about with the homegrowns of, you know, the fans are going to be more patient with them because they're one of us kind of right. thing. This is kind of the perversion of that, which is the, well, we want Brendan 
because Marco's not one of us right. kind of situation, which right. is that where it can that's where it can get dangerous. Uh, but the other thing, I, I would kind of, and I think the way uh, Jim has looked at it a little bit, and the way that I would look at it from a, a maybe more dispassionate angle is that you know the union have done all this early this season and gotten not a lot from Fabian. Really, mm-hmm. only had him fully healthy for five games of, that, yeah. of of eleven. I mean, he he's mm-hmm. you know the first three. Then red card, suspended, suspended, comes back for a game, ankle injury. You haven't had him very much. No. Um, and no. I, I, don't, I don't think him in Toronto was full strength. And Absolutely even, not. Even without him at full strength, you still win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would look at it as kind of a glass half full I kind mean, of situation. He's going to steal you games in MLS. He's going, there's going to be games where the union in August – Play absolutely lousy, and you know what? Fabian bangs two in, and you win two one despite yourself. Right. He's going to steal games for you, and he hasn't had to do that yet. And yet, they are where they yeah. are. Your your two signings, really, your two offseason yeah. signings. Because, because you I haven't mean, Santa, Santos scores two largely academic goals right. in, in, against uh, uh, you know a, a glorified <laughs> youth team. <laughs> right, right. So you're and and you're still and you still are you know at this point the best start. In, in the history of your, of your team, mm-hmm. without that, I, so that's good. It's good that they have this start because it's patience. If they were even five hundred, game below five hundred, you know, I think you start sweating a little bit. But you've given yourself such a cushion mm-hmm. with this start that you, you you can be patient and kind of work Fabian back in. You can be patient and you know wait. And you kind of work Santos back in the form, and you can be patient with your younger guys, with with uh, you know with with Aronson. Mm-hmm. You can be very patient with him now, and and you know work him in. And it, having Fabian takes a lot of pressure off Aronson because you could let him develop at a more natural clip mm-hmm. than if you were this Aronson putting in this team two years ago, where you're where you're paper thin and you're, you're just forcing him out there, and you don't know what you do to him. Now, right. now you have that. You have a lot of leeway now. Yeah, and I think that um, you've got kind of uh, the start of establishing roles, which is really important. And we see this with the Osinio question is that Jim Curtin's been interesting. And, uh, you know, we had a, a, a little bit of a conversation off to the side today of like, uh, you know, he was surprised no one asked him about whether or not Osinio would start for as good of a, a job he's done as a sub. Mm-hmm. And, uh I don't think anyone sees him as a starter. No. I don't, I, I, he's just – he's not. Like we've we've been down this road before. We've been down this Ilsenio fitness road before and he's in a perfect role. If you need him, bring him on on 60 minutes and have him go just – go wreck people. Because just do that. You, That's a perfect role. And you, you get 30 minutes out of Ilsenio no matter what. You start yeah. him for 90, you get 30 minutes. Yeah. You're going to get 30 good minutes. <laughs> it might be parted out. It might right. be – but like – He's in a perfect role right, right now. That so is where could, he should be. You shoot him out of a cannon at, yeah. at 60, 65 minutes, perfect. And there, there is a role to be had, I think, when Fabian comes back for Aronson that's going to maximize him. Mm-hmm. And I think what it's going to be is that he's – you know, even when Fabian's healthy, there's going to be situations where, okay, uh, you know, I, I don't have – I'll admit I don't have the union schedule memorized – but there's going to be situations where you have a road Wednesday game mm-hmm. and it's going to call for we're going to press the living daylights out of a team because that's how we're going to get a goal. Uh, this is an Aronson game. Mm-hmm. This is an Aronson game and 
wear them down, maybe try and get a goal against a run of play. And with 50 minutes left or with 30 minutes left, you've got Il Senio and Fabiana's cards to play. Right. Um, if you want to go into the four two three one, or if you want to stay in the diamond with Fabian, mm-hmm. you, you know, you tell you have options. You're yeah. Not, you yeah. tell Aronson, go run his lungs out for 60 minutes. You have that possibility. Mm-hmm. I think you have that possibility elsewhere in the pitch, um, but the way that the back three of that diamond is playing is that you don't want to make those changes necessarily. No. Um, so you have the establishment of roles, which I think is going to be really important. It's what's really important when the postseason rolls around, when you know. I mean, you look at the teams the last few years that have won MLS Cups. They know what their subs are going to be. You look at Seattle as a perfect example of – Seattle goes through so many formations during the year. Right. They're going, they're they're in this. It's it's Ozzy Alonso by himself for years. Then it's with two. Then you're starting a four three three. Now it's Ladero. But by the time the postseason rolls around, the last few years it's been this is who we are. These are our starters. If X happens, we bring this guy off the bench. If Y happens, it's this guy mm-hmm. off the bench. Like that's what makes a really good team, All right? I mean, and, and, and they, that's what they're sorting. That's what they're sorting through at this right, point. Right, right, and and, and you, you, like you said, at least all those roles are kind of rounding out for you, and you know what guys can do for you, and you you have options, you know, and, and you have like a defensive option in the midfield with Warren if you need him. You mm-hmm. have, you know, Ilsen, which I think has been underutilized a little bit. Right, but maybe there haven't been as many chances for that. No, but I mean, he's he's definitely kind of. You know, with Jones gone and Fontana kind of in and out, I think he's definitely your your I mean, defensive if that, closer. If that Revs game stays two one or three one, I think that's the yeah. situation where you see him. Um, the one concern I have, and you could plug a guy back there, but you know, we just talked to Harris. You know, I talked to Harris earlier, and he's just such a unique player where he has that ability to get the ball off the back four, and just has that medium to long range vision to get things rolling. You don't really have anybody else that could do that. I mean, if he's gone, you have somebody to put there, but you have to you would have to make a lot of kind of tactical adjustments to make it work. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think Montero could probably sit in that spot, but it's it's not the same thing. Yeah, but he's more of a linker. Right. Uh than a Yeah, I agree. And I think this is a conversation that we would have had at the beginning of the season when mm-hmm. there were calls from the uh from the the Twitter mentions to yeah. to move on from Harris is that his ability, especially if you're going to absorb pressure and counter, his ability to hit long balls is absolutely invaluable. Yep. And you can't take that out of the side. I mean, it's, it's, and it was, I was talking to Adam Can after one game, but not only his ability to hit long balls, but to change the point of attack. Mm-hmm. He can change fields. He, he, he can switch fields from that position so easily and, you know, and, and just – the ability to do that can catch defensive off guard, defenses off guard a little, little bit. I mean, he he just has all those tools in his box, and he's the only one that kind of has them all. Yeah, and the ability <laughs> to really, I think he also has the ability. It's really interesting to see Harris play, especially at home, mm-hmm. um, when you have the full view. But the idea of his ability, Jim Curtin talks about this a lot, of changing speeds, yeah. um, where he'll sometimes change the point of attack really quickly, other times. You'd think mm-hmm. that's a chime to do it, but he knows or feels or intuits, however his process works, that no, this is a time to kick it back to Jack. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, now to Trusty. Okay, swing it around. You know, it's right. he controls so much of the right. tempo, and that is difficult to replace. I'd be interested uh, to see, you know, and I think that's the argument in creating a platoon there with Warren late in games, is that if you're in a 2-1 game and you're trying to hold the lead, do you take out Harris? 
mm-hmm. in, say, the 80th minute, bring on Craval. But then what happens if that doesn't work and you tie it and then right. all of a sudden you need Harris? Yeah. So that, that becomes a little bit of a question. Yeah, and, and, and the other the other part of that is, and something that Union in the past have been kind of notorious for, is like kind of beating their veteran guys into the ground. And, yeah, and it'll be and, interesting and, to see how that know, gets managed. You saw they did that with Connor Casey, kind of, and you lost them later in the year when Indian when Volkopanovich was here, and you kind of lost them. I mean, it, you know, we're, we're talking about different regimes and, and stuff, but just it, it, it seems like, you know, I'll borrow something from the Sixers. They talk about load man, that whole load management concept, and I don't know if it's kind of seeped into soccer at all that kind of that kind of thing it's and it, again different sports so it's kind of tough because you don't have like rolling subs but um it, but it's, it is it's a, a long-term thing it's something to think about because you know jim said you don't want to peak in may right and i, I <laughs> and it is a question to be asked because harris and uh, alejandro bedoya aren't guys that are getting any younger no, no. um they still have the physicality to yeah. to take that load um but the question has to be asked about yeah, what mm-hmm. what the price is for doing that ninety minutes a game every right. year? I want to talk about Montero because he's absolutely my favorite player currently on the team. He he just he's my kind of player because he's you know I, I think I said it last week he's if he was a baseball player he'd be a five tool player because he yeah. ju- he's just a complete guy. He he you know he simultaneously is a destroyer but is positive. He could mm-hmm. he'll he'll strip the ball off of somebody and make it turn it into something. Pretty quickly, and it and the fact that you know they got they extended the loan, they very much want to keep him. It sounds like I mean, there's a lot of factors to do that, but the loan extension I think is key. Oh yeah, and is a no brainer. I I think with Jamiro, he thinks the game really fast. Mm-hmm. You see the way that he moves, and um, it's not just the physicality. It's not just that I think he has really good defensive instincts. It's that I think when he has a recovery, he's turning into where he wants to go so quickly. And yeah. I think he has really good vision of where people are and where they're going to be. And that's really it, important. It, it's tough to call him a defensive midfielder because he wants to make everything positive. He wants yeah. every, every move he makes, a defense, every defensive move he makes, he wants to turn it into something positive. It, it's not like, okay, you know, I stripped the ball, I won the ball, I made this interception, I'm just going to move it square to somebody. He goes, mm-hmm. no, I got the ball, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it work. Yeah, and I think the... You know, if I close my eyes and envision some of the really good midfield destroyers in MLS that are in the classical American type, the mm-hmm. you know the Jeff Lorenowitzes and the the Brian Carrolls, I envision them kind of intercepting a ball and kind of turning with it and going backwards or going side to side. Right. And he doesn't do that. No. And I think that's because he comes from a different mold. I mean, coming from the, the Dutch influences and in his uh, upbringing. Um, I think he just has a really well-rounded understanding of the game. What I think is going to be interesting in how they handle Jamiro Montero moving forward is that he can be the union's gateway to MLS blank point oh, <laughs> whichever whichever yeah. operating system they want to install. Because Jamiro is still young. Mm-hmm. He has played in Europe. He has played for a team. You know, he was signed for $3.5 million dollars. Uh, roughly, by a team that fancied itself as basically a top division team in in one of the better leagues in France. I mean, Mets had yeah. big-time aspirations of, of promotion, and they were trying to build a borderline league-owned roster. Mm-hmm. And they were envisioning him as a guy who would play in the second division and then move up with them. Um, his 
value is going to continue if he stays with the union. He's mm-hmm. he's a guy that if he plays for if he plays a couple good MLS seasons could transfer to another club in Europe. And oh, easily, you know, yeah. he's not Miguel Almarone where you're laying out, you know, whatever it is, 9 million dollars and you're hoping for a 20 million dollar sale like Atlanta was, mm-hmm. but he is in that vein of you're going to have to pony up money for him. You're going to probably have to pony up close to the $3 million that Mets did. Yeah. But you're going to get that asset. You're going to benefit from that asset, and you're going to retain the value when you sell him later on. Mm-hmm. And that would be the union playing big boy soccer for, I think, pretty close to the first time. That's um, – yeah. I mean, I, if Fabian was a statement of ambition, doing everything you just said would be – Kind of the maybe. next step because it's it's more than just signing the player. It's signing the player with a plan, mm-hmm. to moving you know for that player for getting value for that player down the road. Because if you know Fabian, you know it, it, you know is a little older, a little older. It's going to be you know twenty. He's twenty nine thirty. So yeah. So you know that that down the road plan probably isn't there quite as much. But with a twenty five, twenty six year old in Montero. Mm-hmm. That plan's there, and you can yeah. turn it into something. And and, Fa- you, and you're finally playing chess. Yeah, <laughs> Fabian's Fab- the rest of Fabian's soccer career is probably going to be in the Western Hemisphere. He's mm-hmm. probably not going back to Europe. He's right. probably going to be in the Americas in some form or another. Right, right. Which is not necessarily a bad thing because there are leagues with a lot more spending power than the Union who could, if they really want his services, come and get them. Mm-hmm. But you know, you are, you're playing the game like a European club. Yeah. In the front office, if you do this with Jamiro, it requires it requires taking out a crowbar and to get into Jay Sugarman's wallet to pay three and a half right. million dollars or whatever it's going to be for a key player who's going to be a cornerstone for your team for the next couple of years. I don't think he'll be here for a long time. Right. I think if he is here for a long time, that means something has probably gone wrong in the process. Yeah. But if he wants to be here and if he sees the union as being a place where he can get a regular paycheck, uh, can be counted on to play regular games. Uh, free from the the vague, you know the whims of of a new coach yeah. like he ha- has suffered in Mets where they get a new coach and all of a sudden he's out in the wilderness. Yeah. If he can do that, then you're asking. I mean, you're asking him to buy in. But if you can get him to buy in and deliver this, then all of a sudden you're setting yourself up as a, you know, as a club that's yeah. that's part of this world soccer. And, and and I think that's the mentality that Ernst brings. You know, beyond. I think that's Ernst's default. Yeah. yeah. Where he would come here and say, well, no, why would we, right. why are we bringing, you know, not to say they're never going to bring over guys, they're never going to bring over guys like Bedoya again with the understanding mm. of, we're bringing this guy back from Europe. He's going to end his career in all likelihood in MLS. Right. Not that you would never do that again. But, but that, that's, that's not the way. That's that, not the first move. Yeah. And that's not the way. You know, I don't think Red Bulls probably brings in a lot of guys and like, well, we're going to bring him in and he is going to his career will die here right. and it will be wonderful and all that. Like you have to it's right. a different understanding. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's that that constitutes definitely a, a mature a maturation of, of the way that they approach things, which I guess brings us a little bit to this summer. Yeah. And um, I'd Inter, you know, interested in seeing what you think they need on the open market. If there's anything, what you would that's, kind of go out and get? That's a great question. I think they, um, I think the Acom move was good in that you cleared you cleared his salary, which counted full because he wasn't a DP. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't so that, that million something was. You got back about half of what you put out for them and transfer roughly. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like one point two or ish, and I think in, you got in, in that neighborhood. Back, yeah. So you you, you get five hundred back. Um, you know, and and he really gets traded right away. You know, Jan, Jan first to Nashville as they build their team. Um, so I I think that and it was a guy who was playing in position. It was a guy who wanted to play in position and play. Want to be a ninety-minute player? I don't think he was going to be a ninety-minute player here. Um, so I think all that's good. I think it wor- you know works for player and club, but also you know you, you clear that money, you get some money back, you get an international slot. Everything to me says that that means you're making a move. Mm-hmm. That you, you 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 know you cleared the decks and you got that extra slot. You're making some kind of move. That's now to what it is. Um, is it going to be another home run swing like with Fabian? I don't know. Uh, what, what 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 do you need? You know, you bought a striker in Santos in the off season. You know, it hasn't quite through, again through injury and happenstance hasn't quite been what you need it yet. But I think the potential's there. Do you go for another striker or another attacking body? I think defensively you're fine. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, I don't think you make a depth move. I don't think again with the, the issues at the six with. Harris being the only guy that kind of does what he does. Do you get a guy to, that waits behind him? I don't know. I think maybe that's the spot you're grooming Fontana for eventually. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So maybe you don't, you know, you don't want to block him. I don't know. I don't know what the where, where he is in his development. So I, I think it's obviously an attacking spot. I don't think it would be right back because you're still waiting on Olivier. Mm-hmm. So either, you know, Either another attacking midfielder, or, or I think, or a striker. I think that's the move they're going to make if they make it. I think you go for. I think you can bring in another forward slash attacking guy who can <laughs> play uh, maybe on the wing, mm-hmm. but also up top. Yeah. Um, I think that's been the the kind of mold that uh, Ernst Tanner has been looking for. Yeah. I don't think you need anybody at the back because you have four center backs who can play, yeah. um, and you are. If they can easily bring up Ben Ofemu if they needed it. I think mm-hmm. he's not very far away. You have your future right and left backs in Olivier Mbezo and Matt Rial, respectively. Yeah. And you have a guy that they're very high on in Issa Ryan right. down in the system. And you got Kai Wagner, who's, who's Kai Wagner, who's as been as good as anybody. And who's twenty and <laughs> twenty one and can run all day. So yeah. you're fine with that. Um I don't think they really shop for a midfielder because personally I think they could use some midfield depth. But I don't know what the point of midfield depth is if of the four midfield positions, two of them are always the same guys and they never leave the field. If you're going to somehow strike Jim Curtin by lightning and say that all of a sudden Alejandro Bedoya can come off the field, then maybe you bring in another midfielder, but he doesn't leave the field. uh, Neither does Harris, and Montero's not going to leave the field a lot either, so... Yeah, you can go ahead and bring in depth, but, but I don't they're know where sit. they can play. They're going to sit. I mean, yeah, would, they're going they, to have to do be, exactly what Warren Craval is doing. Right, Warren Craval ha- is a very serviceable MLS player. Yeah, it would have to be another squad depth, young developmental guy mm-hmm. to do that because you're not going to get a big money guy to sit here and sit. No, and you, you can probably, you know, if there's an Eric Alexander type in MLS yeah. that's available, maybe you think about it. But yeah. I don't, I don't think that it's a big priority. So then you're left looking at striker, and you've got three. You know, you've got three forwards now. It's it's interesting in that we talked about um, we talked about coming out of uh, preseason that they had six, and now mm-hmm. they're down to three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you need a contingency for Corey Burke. Um, yeah, 
you, you need something to replace that. Um, I think Michi is a good player, um, but I, I don't know that he's necessarily ready to be a big time contributor. Yet. No, I, I think, think he, he's on the he's on the continuum. open cup. He's, he's on, on the, the open cup kind of. Yeah, he's he's on that area. continuum where like you saw with Aronson and Fontaine that they sign him get him in that full training yeah. and then you evaluate him at the end of the year after you get all that training on him and see where you go. Yeah, and I, I, think, th- I, think, I think Ferris is in that same yeah, category. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested because of the fact that uh, because of the fact that Ernst Tanner has done such a good job with kind of cheaper signings uh, like Shabilko, like Kai Wagner without having to use without having to use Tam and without having to go really anywhere near that DP threshold Mm -hmm. if he can find a striker in that kind of vein um, and see what he can do with that. I think there are those guys floating around in the two Bundesliga and stuff like that in Germany uh, that I think he can probably get for that, those kinds of price points. Um, I think an interesting one whose name is, I don't know if he has Ernst connections, um, but Joe Zhao is, is an interesting Mm, one. The young American, I believe he's out of contract. Uh, he's in, I think he was in the Gold Cup roster, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably more of a keep him fit and try and put him in the shop window to see if anyone's interested in him. Um, but he's certainly a guy that's, you know, interesting. And I don't know if he fits Ernst Tanner's mold or what kind of connections he has. Right. Andrew Wooten's another one that's interesting. He scored a ton of goals in the two Bundesliga this year, right, right, right. Um, which might make him ripe for a, a move upward. In Germany, but if you can get him at a at a reasonable price, you know you certainly pay less for him than someone like Terence Boyd, who's doing, uh, last I checked, really nothing in Toronto. Yeah, uh, those could be interesting tight moves, or you know the 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 blueprint with Ernst has been he's going to go get someone that you've never heard of, and he's going to be better than ninety percent of the people <laughs> that you have heard of. I you know what uh, Ernst hasn't put a bad foot forward yet. With this team, so I, I got full confidence that they have a plan, and you know, you feel like just that that a calm move was a move to set something else up. It wasn't like get the money and sit on it for whatever reason. I mean, some of it may. I mean, I think there was talk maybe from Montero to pay some of his stuff down or use it like that. But but you know, clearing out that salary and getting that international spot, it, it just felt like they were opening something up. Yeah, and I think part of part of playing big boy soccer, like mm-hmm. we talked about, is that you also have to be um, nimble in in the event that someone comes and and says, "We want Austin Trusty, and we'll get or and we'll give you this. We yeah. want uh, you know, we want Brendan Aronson, we want Mark McKenzie." I mean, I think you that, have to be nimble and be ready to say, you know, not, I, I, not that those are necessarily going to happen. But you have to be nimble in the I, I, event that I think that does. On a smaller scale, that's what happened with CJ. I think they got an offer like, mm, yeah, okay, yeah, we, we we can make this work without him, and we could use you know flip that cash for something else. So yeah, let's yeah, do and, it. And I, I think, think it's, it's definitely a smaller scale than you're talking about, yeah. but but at least the mentality is there to yeah, make that move. And that's a little different because that that's more taking an expendable player. Yeah. Um, but the idea of they want to be. Part of this part yeah. of this process that I, that Ernie Stewart set into motion and wasn't yeah. here to see the the accomplishment of is that you know the natural yeah. end goal is that I, w- I was thinking about this the other day if Brendan Aronson spends ten years with the union that's kind of a failure mm-hmm. that's not the plan right 
I mean, it's a success in one way, and it's success on a, it's success, yeah. it would be success on a number of. Right. It's not to say Aronson is a failure. It's it would be a little bit of a disappointment based on where you think he can be, right. and from an organizational standpoint, uh, this is the next step. And the flip side of that next step is not getting caught shorthanded if you know if if Mark McKenzie goes to the U twenties and tears things up, right. and a club in Germany says, "Here's eight million dollars. Right. He's not leaving Europe." Right. If that's the case, then you, do you have I mean, Ben Ufemu who you can step up from right. Steel because he's been doing great in USL. Like, And then you have that money and you can take it and turn it around to something. Yeah, I mean, um, we'll wrap it up in a, in a sec. But, I mean, that was kind of what I was saying to Mike last week with the academy and the guys who are developing. You have to think it like, you know, a Major League Baseball team thinks of their 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 farm system that – you're, you have players that are going to give you value either by being on your senior team or get you value because you're going to use them as parts to get players to help your senior team. Mm-hmm. And you have to have that mentality. And this Mark, the Mark McKenzie thing you just brought up, it's not out of the realm of possibility because it sounds like he's doing great in camp and U20 camp and they made him the captain. And, you know, you, you feel bad because he just, again, another guy that had a kind of stuttering start to the season with injuries and all that and you know, appendicitis. But yeah, but if somebody gives you five, eight, seven, ten million dollars, says you know in, in Bundesliga or Bundesliga two, and says here, you know let's mm-hmm. let's 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 make this work, you know then then that's a success. That's mm-hmm. why you you built this farm, this academy system to give you value one way or the other, either on the field directly or indirectly through moves, mm-hmm. and I mean that's. How we have to do it. That's and how you have to think. And I about think it. it comes down to expectations. You know, mm-hmm. some guys, some guys, their ceiling is Europe. Some guys, their ceiling is that they're going to be a, an eight to ten year MLS player. Mm-hmm. I think Anthony Fontana's ceiling is probably that he's going to be a steady regular yeah. MLS player, and that's fine. Yeah. If that's what that guy is, that's fine. That's I think. Hard. I think Austin Trusty and Mark McKenzie's ceiling and Brendan Aronson's ceiling is a little higher. Yeah. I think there's some guys that they've signed um, through Steel that maybe have different kind of ceilings as to where they can go. Selmir Miscic at his level, his ceiling's probably Europe. A guy yeah. that's signed at 20, at 20 after a couple years of college, his ceiling's maybe a little bit lower. But there are options. Right. It's almost like... You know, it's the idea to use the the. There's some guys in in the Philly system that are organizational depth who are probably never going to make it to the majors, but they serve a purpose in terms of mm-hmm. being the guys that make other guys better. And sometimes those guys work out, sometimes they don't, sometimes they're traded, no. all that kind of stuff. It's it. And in this case, a lot of those guys at Steel are before they become players, they're also insurance. They're no. also you know Ben Ufemu is kind of insurance for a Mark McKenzie move. And, oh, by the way, he's still someone who's going to turn into a really good player Absolutely. as he grows. Yeah. So it's all part of a process. I think what Ernst has done really well, and Ernie Stewart started to do this, is kind of dispense of the sentimentality of the, you know, Brendan Aronson might be one of ours in, mm. the, in the fan parlance, but at some point you have to look at it dispassionately and say, it's, hey, he's, he's going to go off to greater – pasture someday he's not going to be here forever the, the, and that's part of the maturation process yeah, to and, realize and it's, that. it's that whole the 11 guys on the union that are all academy starting it's very pie in the sky even the best you know the barcelonas and ajaxes of the world that have the best academies ever don't do that yeah you know, 
it, it's a, you get your academy guys, you add other things into the mix, and you make your team. You can create that virtual team eventually when so and so's, you know, when he's in, you know, maybe in three years when right. this guy's in Europe and this guy's in Europe and this guy's here and this guy's here, yeah. and then you can say, well, look at this all star team and look where they were. Yeah. But to have it happen on the field is a little. Yes. And even when it happens for the Red Bulls, I, I know we're running long on time, but even yeah. when it happens for the Red Bulls, Tom Barlow's not one of the 11 best players that right. the Red Bull Academy has even, but he's the best player for them now. Right. And Tyler Adams is off because Tyler Adams is off in Germany. Right. And other guys have been traded and this guy's here and, you know, it, it it's just not how it necessarily right. works. Right, exactly. All right, I think we'll wrap it up on that. I want to thank Harris Manunian. Always a great interview. Always a pleasure to have. I want to thank Matt DeGeorge stepping up, filling in, and the co-host seat matt please tell the people where they can find your stuff oh you can find me on twitter at sports doctor md for union related and all of your uh summer lacrosse needs uh <laughs> you can find me at delcotimes.com uh slash sports all my works there and uh yeah all right uh i want to thank everybody for checking in with us and we'll catch you soon